0: The Bible Evidence of the Baptism of the Holy Spirit by Smith Wigglesworth There is a lot of controversy today about the authenticity of the Pentecostal experience. But there's nothing as convincing as the fact that just a little while ago, just after the turn of the 20th century, a Holy Spirit revival began on Azusa Street in Los Angeles. And it still hasn't stopped. And you will find that in every country throughout the world, God has poured out His Spirit in a remarkable way, just like He did with the glorious revival that inaugurated the church of the first century. People couldn't understand what God was doing when He kept them focused on prayer, and they wondered what God was going to do. Then they found themselves in exactly the same place and having the same experience as the apostles did on the day of Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts. Our Lord Jesus said to his disciples, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. God promised through the prophet Joel, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, will I pour out my Spirit? As there's a widespread misconception concerning this receiving of the Holy Spirit, I believe the Lord would have us examine the Scriptures on this subject. You know, beloved, something has to be built on solid facts to move me. I was as certain as possible that I'd received the Holy Spirit at salvation and was absolutely unmovable in this conviction. When this Pentecostal outpouring began in England, I went to Sunderland and met with the people who had assembled for the purpose of receiving the Holy Spirit. I was continuously in those meetings causing disturbances until the people wished I'd never come. They said that I was disturbing the whole thing. But I was hungry and thirsty for God and had gone to Sunderland because I heard that God was pouring out His Spirit in a new way, I heard that God had now visited this people, and He had manifested His power, and that people were speaking in tongues like they did on the day of Pentecost. When I got to this place, I said, "I can't understand this meeting." I just left a meeting in Bradford all on fire for God. The fire fell last night, and we were all laid out under the power of God. I have come here for tongues, and I don't hear them. I don't hear anything. Oh, they said, when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, you'll speak in tongues. Oh, is that it? I said, when the presence of God came upon me, my tongue was loosened. And really, I felt as I went into the open air to preach that I had a new tongue. Ah, no, they said, that's not it. What is it then, I asked. They said, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I am baptized, I interjected. And there is no one here who can convince me that I'm not baptized. So I was up against them, and they were up against me. I remember a man getting up and saying, you know, brothers and sisters, I was here three weeks, and then the Lord baptized me with the Holy Spirit, and I began to speak with other tongues. I said, let's hear it. That's what I'm here for. But he wouldn't talk in tongues. I was doing what the others are doing today, confusing the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians with the 2nd chapter of Acts. These two chapters deal with different things. One with the gifts of the Spirit, and the other with the baptism of the Spirit with the accompanying sign. I didn't understand this, so I said to the man, Let's hear you speak in tongues. But he couldn't. He hadn't received the gift of tongues, but the baptism. As the days passed, I became more and more hungry. I had opposed the meeting so much, but the Lord was gracious. And I'll always remember that last day, the day I was to leave. God was with me so much that last night. They were going to have a meeting, and I went, but I couldn't rest. In the church library, I said to Mrs. Body, I can't sit still any longer. I must have these tongues she replied, Brother Wigglesworth, it's not the tongues you need, but the baptism. If you will allow God to baptize you, the other will be all right. My dear sister, I know I'm already baptized in the Holy Spirit, I said. You know that I have to leave here at four o'clock. Would you please lay hands on me that I may receive the tongues? She got up and laid her hands on me and the fire fell. I said, the fire is falling. That there was a knock at the door and she had to go. And that was the best thing that could have happened because then I was alone with God. And then he gave me a revelation. Oh. It was wonderful. He amazed me with a vision. A vision of an empty cross. And Jesus glorified. I do thank God that the cross is empty. That Christ is no more on the cross. It was there that he bore the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. He became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And now, there He is in the glory. Then I saw that God had purified me. It seemed that God gave me a new vision. And I saw a perfect being within me, with a mouth open saying, Clean, clean, clean. When I began to repeat it, I found myself speaking in other tongues. The joy was so great that when I came to utter it, my tongue failed. And I began to worship God in other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. It was all as beautiful and peaceful as when Jesus said, Peace. Be still, and the tranquility of that moment and the joy surpassed anything I'd ever known up to that moment. But hallelujah, these days have grown with greater, mightier, more wonderful divine manifestations and power. That was just the beginning. And there's no end to this kind of beginning. You'll never get an end to the Holy Spirit until you're landed in the glory, until you are right in the presence of God forever. And even then, we will forever be conscious of His presence. What did I receive? I received the Bible evidence. This Bible evidence is wonderful to me. I knew I'd received the very evidence of the Spirit's incoming that the apostles received on the day of Pentecost. Then I knew that everything I had received up to that time was in the nature of an anointing, bringing me in line with God in preparation. But now I knew I had the biblical baptism in the Spirit. It had the support of the Scriptures. You're always right if you have the backing of the scriptures. And you're never right if you don't have a foundation for your testimony in the word of God. For many years, I've thrown out a challenge to any person who can prove to me that they have the baptism without speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, to prove it by the word that they have been baptized in the Holy Spirit without the Bible evidence. But so far, no one has accepted the challenge. I only said this because so many used to be like I was. They have a rigid idea that says they received the baptism without the Bible evidence. Don't be misled by anything else. Have the Bible proof for everything that you have. And then you'll be in a place where no one can move you. I was so full of joy that I wrote home to say that I'd received the Holy Spirit. As soon as I got home, my boy came running up to me and said, Father, have you received the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, my boy. He said, let's hear you speak in tongues. But I couldn't. Why? I had received the baptism in the Spirit with the speaking in tongues as the Bible evidence according to Acts 2.4. But I didn't receive the gift of tongues according to 1 Corinthians 12. I had received the giver of all gifts. Sometime later, when I was helping some souls to seek and receive the baptism of the Spirit, God gave me the gift of tongues so that I could speak at any time. I could speak, but will not, Nope, never. I must allow the Holy Spirit to use the gift. It should be so, so that we will only have divine utterances by the Spirit. I would regret it if I tried to use a gift on my own, but the giver has all power to use all of the nine gifts. I want to take you to the scriptures to prove my point. There are businessmen here, and they know that in a lawsuit where there are two clear witnesses, they could win a case before any judge in a court of law. On the clear evidence of two witnesses, any judge will give a verdict. And what has God given us? Three clear witnesses on the baptism of the Holy Spirit more than are necessary in courts of law. The first is in Acts 2.4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here we have the original pattern. And God gave Peter an eternal word that couples this experience with the promise that went before. This is that. And God wants you to have that. Nothing less than that. He wants you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit according to this original Pentecostal pattern. In Acts 10, we have another witness. Peter is in the house of Cornelius. Cornelius had had a vision of a holy angel and had sent for Peter. Once a person said to me, You don't think that I'm filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that I was for ten days and ten nights on my back before the Lord and he was flooding my soul with joy? I said, Praise the Lord, sister. That was only the beginning. The disciples were waiting all that time and they were still and the mighty power of God fell upon them and the Bible tells what happened. When the power fell. And that is just what happened in the house of Cornelius. The Holy Spirit fell on all of them that heard the word. And those of the Jews who believed that had come with Peter were astonished, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was also poured out on the Gentiles. What convinced these prejudiced Jews that the Holy Spirit had come? for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. There was no other way for them to know. This evidence couldn't be contradicted. It is the Bible evidence. If some people here had an angel from heaven come and talk to them in an experience like Cornelius had, they would say that they knew they were baptized. But don't be fooled by anything. Be sure that what you receive is according to the word of God. So, we've heard two witnesses, and that's sufficient to satisfy the world, but God goes one better. Let's look at Acts 19.6. When Paul had laid his hands upon them, The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. These Ephesians received the exact same Bible evidence as the apostles did at the beginning, and they also prophesied. Three times the scriptures show us this evidence of the baptism of the Spirit. Now, I don't magnify tongues. No, by God's grace, I magnify the giver. Of tongues and I magnify above all the one whom the Holy Spirit has come to reveal to us the Lord Jesus Christ it is he who sends the Holy Spirit and I magnify him because he makes no difference between us and those disciples who received the Holy Spirit at the beginning but what are the tongues for Look at the second verse of 1 Corinthians 14, and you'll see a very blessed truth. Oh, hallelujah. Have you been there, beloved? I tell you, God wants to take you there. The one that speaks in an unknown tongue doesn't speak to people, but to God, because no one understands them. But in the Spirit, they speak mysteries. And goes on to say, The one that speaks in an unknown tongue builds themselves up. Enter into the promises of God. It's your inheritance. You'll do more in one year if you are really filled with the Holy Spirit than you could do in 50 years without him. I pray that you may be so filled with him that it won't be possible for you to move without starting some kind of revival.